You're listening to Outfront with Family Forward, a podcast designed to bridge the gap between research and real-world parenting by providing insights into how early life experiences can shape a child's future. Join us as we explore the spectrum of family life and equip you with the knowledge to make a positive impact on your family's journey, one episode at a time. Welcome to the first official podcast, Out Front with Family Forward. I'm your host, Sharon Skidmore-Stern, and I am the Chief Program Officer. And if you're listening to this, first and foremost, we just want to thank you for giving us a listen. And we hope you'll find this first episode thought-provoking with some usable takeaways. In this podcast, we're going to take four episodes, and we're going to talk about connectedness. Why does this matter? What are the impacts of it? What does support look like? And how do we reconnect? But before we get started, I want to introduce my colleagues, and we're going to start with my co-host, Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa Von Waldy. I'm the Director of Therapy Department at Family Ford, and I have been a therapist in the St. Louis area for about 20 years. I started out as a couples therapist, but have done a lot of different types of therapy over the years. I'm also a parent of a teen and soon-to-be teen. Awesome. Thank you. Jamie? Hi, I'm Jamie Skasha. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I have been in practice for probably close to 20 years now, uh, specializing in trauma work from day one, and I've done a a number of different age ranges and different types of therapy, um, but I have since moved on to evaluations. I'm the director of assessment at Family Forward, and we explore different ways to evaluate the impact of trauma. Yeah, so um, I'm Ashley Wagner. I'm the Director of Occupational Therapy at Family Forward. And uh, I think that I am probably the newbie uh, of the group in the sense that um, I've been practicing for over a decade, but um, I am somewhat new to the trauma specialty, um, which makes sense because my profession, also new to the trauma specialty, not many occupational therapists working in trauma-informed care, but I'm so excited to be here. Um, I landed here because my wife and I were foster parents for four years, and I had some wonderful coworkers who introduced me to the idea of trauma-informed care and found myself using my OT to support my foster kiddos and also using my trauma-informed care from fostering to support my kids in occupational therapy. So, uh, yeah, so I've been doing trauma-informed care specifically for probably the last six years, uh, but uh, just joined Family Forward last July to really bring in OT to the uh, to the Family Forward programs. So, yeah, so that's that's me and kind of enjoying being here. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, What I'm going to love about this conversation is the multidisciplinary lens that we have. We have tons of experience at the table, lived experience, professional experience, and we just want to have a really genuine conversation across all of these podcasts. So we um, definitely want to bring in what is the clinical relevance, like what is Family Forward doing, but also the reality of sometimes when we're talking about something as simple as connectedness, relational connectedness, that it's not always as easy as it seems. So we're going to be really thoughtful about these conversations, and hopefully you all will, um, who are listening, will it will resonate with you and you'll have some takeaways. So why are we here? Why did Family Forward decide that a podcast would be a timely and beneficial endeavor for all of us. Um, I've been a social worker for 
over 30 years working almost exclusively with kids who've experienced complex trauma, ab abuse and neglect, and their families. So, so, But so much has changed in the field, right? So for those of us who've been in for a couple of decades, we've seen this shift when it comes to trauma work and this shift from that kind of top-down cognitive-focused intervention to really realizing that there's a physiological impact to developmental trauma. But um, in that, much has still also stayed the same. There are lots of certitudes that I think we hold on to in this field that don't necessarily move with the times. But the one constant I think that has shown up for all of us in our work is, and in the narratives, and as of late even in the news, is that the need that humans have for connection. It's mm -hmm. about relationships, it's about connection. So the definition of connection uh, that I found that I thought would kind of anchor our conversations here is the fact of being feeling or being socially, emotionally, spiritually, or professionally linked with others or with another, or the robustness of such relationships. So on the surface, this seems to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all kind of feel the same, like, oh, this is probably that one of those hole-in-one things. And in general, we know that understanding and understanding that being isolated is, is not ideal. So I wasn't super surprised when I saw that the Surgeon General had put out a um, advisory report calling for atten attention to the public health issue of loneliness and isolation and lack of connectedness, even before the pandemic. So the pandemic, I think, certainly amplified some of those issues, but this was going on well before that. And so even before the pandemic, approximately half of the adults in the U.S. reported feeling measurable levels of loneliness. We know that oftentimes older adults, geriatric population, feels isolated and lonely. We also hear that from some of the parents we work with, caregivers we work with. Because of the severity and the complexity of some of the situations, access to a robust, a robust support system or network can be hard to come by, right? And as we know, without a doubt, really there are repercussions for extended isolation. And again, this is becoming kind of more of a normative concept. Disconnection can fundamentally affect our mental, physical, and social health. In fact, loneliness and isolation can increase a person's um, potential to develop a mental health issue or mental health challenges. Lacking connection can increase premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily, mm -hmm. which is really astounding to me. Mm -hmm. Connecting and, and attachment really is physiology, and, and that's, I think, the piece that sometimes we forget or something that's hold, you know, it's hard to hold on to. Feeling brokenhearted mm -hmm. is one of those things, too, that that's actually just not a metaphor you know, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a pet, family discord can all manifest in physical symptoms such as chest pain, abnormal heart rhythm, sleep and appetite disruptions, the list goes on. I think we all think about times where we've had that level of grief and distress. You feel it. You mm -hmm. feel it physically. So how is it possible that lonely and dis loneliness and disconnectedness is such a problem in our society? We have tons of access to potential connections. We have no there's not a window of time where we couldn't connect globally on social media, on apps, on you know whatever platforms are available. And there are so many more ways now, but we feel more disconnected than ever. And I ran across a quote from Angels and Demons, which was written by Dan Brown. Each of us is now electronically connected to the globe, and yet we feel utterly alone. So in our work, we know that a foundation that we're constantly talking about is connectedness, getting parents and caregivers to connect with kids, connect with each other, 
to connect with support network, but it's not always as simple as it seems. So that's the first episode. We're going to kind of unpack why does this matter, why it is important, and why does it seem so hard? So we're going to start. I'm going to pitch it to my co-host, Lisa. What's resonating with you right now as we're we're setting the stage? Yeah, I I think initially um, I... um, think about this post I just came across on Instagram the other day from Brian Fretwell, um, a public speaker and author of FindingGood.com. Um, and he talked about connection um, can only get us through challenging times if we choose to build and strengthen those relationships across time. Um, Brian says, the question isn't whether or not we feel connected. The question is whether or not we're creating the strength of connection needed to overcome the challenges we face together. And it reminded me a lot of my initial training 20 years ago um, with uh, couples therapy and John, Dr. John Gottman's work, um, an American psychologist and relationship expert. Um, who created the concept of the emotional bank account and needing to deposit good things often into relationships for those relationships to be able to with whether the withdrawals or um, less than positive things that happen. So it's not just that we need to have connections to not only to not be lonely. We need relationships that can be strong enough to be a support in difficult times. And I'm curious, Ashley, what, what are your thoughts about that? You know, I th- it's interesting as you were talking about that quote. I hadn't really um, heard that quote before. And I think that, and I'm also not as familiar with the, the work that you're speaking to, but um, the emotional bank account, I think, is something that I have just kind of innately thought of um, throughout my life, uh, kind of thinking through it. Um, and I've gone back and forth as far as, like, do I really want to think of relationships as transactional in this way? But I think that there is something to be said for having that sense of positive connection um, for when times get challenging, right? Um, and, you know, I like even this weekend, my family and I um, went out and did, um, we got in the car and we went out and looked at like all the lights that people have up for the upcoming holiday and um, drank some like apple ciders and just, you know, enjoyed some some theme music and all this stuff and it was very it was a nice connection for us um and I remember coming home afterward and thinking wow I really needed that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I needed this kind of like relational success I needed this moment of oh I feel really good about my family I feel good that we've engaged in this tradition because we do this every year um and I you know didn't have to worry about anything during this time And it was really this nice moment of, um, you know, us and our three kids having this sense of connection of this is what our family does. Like, this is how our family celebrates. We were all in the car together, enjoying it together. Um, And I think that it was really valuable because, you know, before that, the week before, our family had had a really tough week. We'd had a week of teachers calling us. We'd had a week of, you know, um, chasing a kid down the block because he got dysregulated and, you know, and made a run for it. And so I think that um, there's definitely some accuracy in that sense of, you know, having that relational input does foster that sense of connection. And, you know, now I get to be like, oh, yeah, like, I feel really connected to my family. Like, that's wording that we even use. It's like, 
you know, I feel really connected to you right now. And so I feel good about you going off into the world and we're going to reconnect when you get home from the world, you know, and um, as opposed to, oh, I want to stay out in the world because when I get home, I'm going to have to deal with like all this stress, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so. Ashley, you brought up a couple of what I think are super important concepts of this. One is the role of routine and rituals Mm -hmm. in terms of connectedness. Mm -hmm. And also this idea that you guys had had a really rough week before, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Probably some hair pulling out feelings at times. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. For sure. But (laughs) in your routine and ritual of your kind of fall festival celebration with Mm -hmm. all of the little things that are involved with that, Mm -hmm. like apple cider. Mm Mm-hmm that you were able that last week wasn't present in that event mm-hmm. right so there wasn't this kind of carryover so i think when we're talking about em- emotional bank accounts or whether we're mm-hmm. talking about resiliency building patterns you know however you want to frame that mm-hmm. the important thing was to kind of leave last week last week mm-hmm. and be in the moment when you were having this celebration because mm-hmm. that then is also a reference point for who knows what this week brings for mm-hmm. all of our families, your family. Yeah. And that is like a building block. So that becomes kind of one of those pieces when we're talking about connectedness. Mm-hmm. It People might think this, well, the, the whole fall festival was a connected. It was mm-hmm. the little things in the middle, mm-hmm. right? It's the little things that you're building. And it was unencumbered by the, the challenges from the week before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, too, there's a sense of, like, that act of, like, just going and driving around and looking at lights, too. It gives us a sense of connection, like, within our community as well. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of, like, centers us within the community. And I, you know, when I'm thinking about connection, I'm thinking about, you know, within the family, for sure. And as an adoptive family, we have to be, like, especially intentional about that sense of connection. But then there's also this connection kind of in the broader community. And I think that, The times when I am feeling the loneliness, um, I think that it is less about my family because usually my family is very, you know, well connected. My immediate family, I mean, like within my home. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it is the sense of like, how is my family ever going to be connected to or like accepted by the broader community? Mm -hmm. And I think that the loneliness for me is if we're talking about like that loss of connection is sometimes how my most important relationships are also connecting me to that broader community. And so I think that that is, you know, something really valuable to be thinking about too, is like, how can we, um, how can the family feel connected within the broader society, within the broader community? And I think having those positive um, inputs of let's go and look at like what our community can offer us which is this nice little tradition of looking at some lights and some decorations Um, and um, and like that's the input that it's giving because quite frankly um, society and our community gives me a lot of like withdrawals from my (laughs) from my bank account sometimes you know and I I, like and we like joke about it because it's better to laugh than cry right but like but no it's true and I think that um, it's really important, though, to find those opportunities for connection with the community, too. And so, you know, I think one of the things I'd be interested in is, you know, how do you all kind of experience that that sense of connection within the broader community? Like, what are the things that you all do to connect? Because I think that's something I'm actually really bad at, um, is a lot of times I will look inward and find this bubble of safety Mm -hmm. because connection also means vulnerability Mm. 
you know, and like the chance of rejection. And unfortunately, I have experienced that a right. few times in my life, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I'd be interested to hear how you all kind of foster that healthy connection broadly for your family within within community. I think we do need to be more intentional with it. Mm-hmm. At least I find myself needing to to be more intentional with asking for connection. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, Ashley, that, that vulnerability and being able to ask for what I need in various relationships. But um, I think of when you're talking about how the community kind of contributes to those deposits and sometimes withdrawals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the emotional bank account. I, th- I thought about um, in the pandemic that I was really close to the people that were in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, my family, mm-hmm. we were very, con- it was a stressful time, but we were very connected in that moment. Um, but I felt very disconnected from other friends and family um, even though I had all of the social media with all mm-hmm. of the updates and pictures and posts, and I still felt very lonely in that regard. And um, coming out of the pandemic, having to have that intentionality around asking for connection, you know, mm-hmm. I really want time to have coffee with you. Um, I really mm-hmm. need some time to go on a walk um, and be in nature and preferably be in nature for my personality with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's not everybody's jam, but I, I really, being an extrovert, really enjoy, you know, <laughs> the more the merrier. Um, so I think there is that uh, vulnerability in having to ask for it, mm-hmm. and also the vulnerability of being honest with ourselves about am I isolating? Mm-hmm. Um, are there opportunities for me to connect with the community that I am really not um, taking advantage of right now, or I'm opting out of, um, and kind of exploring that. And I think that's part of what makes connection so difficult. It's, you know, I'm hearing from Lisa about vulnerability. I'm hearing from Ashley about vulnerability and Mm -hmm. reaching out to others and taking that first step. And when we have parenting to do and a job to go to and all these other things we have to worry about, taking that extra step towards vulnerability, even if it's in the name of caring for ourselves can be really challenging mm-hmm. and, and at, at times burdensome. Well, and Jamie, you bring up a good point in the sense that, because what we're getting at, and even with the definition of connectedness that I pulled in before, it is multidimensional, right? I think a lot of times when we think of connectedness, we're thinking of that one-on-one interpersonal connection, which a lot of the kids that we work with, that needs to be prioritized, mm-hmm. right? So we recognize that from a developmental lens, some of those relational skills might be a little underdeveloped so that one-on-one dyad becomes important, right? But it can't be the only thing that shows up. And, you know, when caregivers are feeling disconnected or unsupported in their community at large, right? Mm -hmm. So that that becomes this complex piece of connectedness. And when you're, because it is community, right? Are there other spaces? Are you, do you belong to a, you know, community of faith? Do you belong to some other sort of organization that supports you? But it gets into this, um, I, what I think, and I know what I experienced when I was single parenting for many years, that it just felt like another demand, right? Mm -hmm. right? There feels there's an obligation to do something because even as a social worker, like, well, I know this is the right thing to do. And, um, you know, exposing my kiddo to, you know, I think robust opportunities for social connection was a priority for me. Um, 
but at what point do I feel like I'm checking off a task, mm-hmm. right, to do, or am I benefiting from it? You know, understanding like this is part of building resilience because we're so far away from where we came from, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can go back. You can look at you know the past and clans and tribes and communities were part and parcel. I mean, I grew up in South St. Louis and every neighbor knew what all of us kids were doing at all times, much to mm-hmm. our chagrin. I mean, it was a bummer because you couldn't really do anything. You step on somebody's lawn and all of a sudden your parents know, mm-hmm. you know, well, the kids were playing soccer on our lawn, you know, <laughs> unnecessary. But that was the kind of community that, you know, you grow up and in South St. Louis is like block by block. Um, so when we're thinking about it, you know, in, the, in terms of our work, you know, how are we, um, you know, taking some of that stuff in and how is it translating into supporting the families that, that we're working with? You know, my mom had uh, her house flood. Oh, yes. And so she and her husband moved into our home. And for about six months, we had these extra visitors with us and it's upon reflection it was such a blessing yeah. because now we had the the next generation in our home and the the natural support that came along with that and it just took some pressure off of me as mom because grandma was here and grandma could step in when when needed but we've we've gotten so far from that and so the intentional need to then seek out our community is more present but also not something i think that always comes naturally you know, that's another lift to add to our list of um, things that we need to do to care for ourselves, to care for our family. Um, but it, but it's, it's a good illustration that we're all talking about how challenging that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Jamie, to your point, we need to also be honest with our capacity in that moment. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that uh, I think, and, and that also speaks to Sharon when you're talking about feeling like it's another thing to add to the list. It can feel, you know, in a world of stress, it can feel like there's so much more that I have to do to establish these um, healthy relationships and and further develop my child as they go through life. And that can feel really overwhelming and understandably so. And being able to go, I don't really have the energy for... Mm going out into the community. I really don't have the energy to maybe sit and read with my child for an extended period of time. But being able to take that information and go, well, what do I have capacity for? So not just stopping with the, I can't do that, Mm -hmm. um, but really going, I can't do that, and that's okay, but what can I do? and kind of following it up with an exploration of what do I have energy for? Do I have energy just to sit next to my child for a moment? Um, Do I have energy to ask a question of a family member, you know, and um, and, and starting there to be able to get into, it's more of a practice, it's like an exercise, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. use that muscle a little bit of, okay, can I do a little bit more? No? Okay, then I'm going to stay in my lane. So not letting that thought process end, but to continue it to say, oh, yes, and. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, what you were speaking to, Lisa, of how can we do just a little bit, the, the cycle that I get trapped in personally is I think that if I am going to be doing this connection, like if I'm going to be using my energy to, um, you know, connect with 
a certain group, like um, even if it is something as simple as like attending a PTO meeting or something like that, I feel like I have to be at my best. Like I feel like I have to make the most of that time and that there's this pressure on me as well. And so um, sometimes for me, it's like, okay, I don't want to take my kids to the park right now because like I, if I go to the park and take them to the park, I am going to want to sit and look at my phone while they play because I don't have the energy to actively play with them. And then I'm going to get judgment because of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, or, you know, the PTO meeting, like, okay, I feel like I can log into the Zoom PTO meeting, but I don't want to have my camera on. But if I don't have my camera on, then people are going to be like, right. you're not really present, which, you know, I think there's this pressure mm-hmm. of feeling like it has to be like the perfect opportunity mm-hmm. for connection or you know that if I'm not at my best then the connection won't really be as meaningful or it's not worth it that kind of thing um, and so I think one of the things that I really try to um, encourage for the families that I'm working with or the um, honestly I, I encourage it more for the organizations that I'm working with like if I am um, part of the PTO or whatever it is you know really creating a sense of belonging no matter who shows up in what capacity um, so that people can feel like hey I did sit on my phone and look at my phone for 45 minutes while my kids played but at least I got them to the playground, you know, or like, um, at least, uh, you know, at least I logged in for the PTO. One of the things I used to do, um, when I was in charge of one of the organizations at my kid's school was I would always send out this email ahead of time of like, Hey, here's the things we're going to talk about. And if you don't have capacity to show up for this meeting and whatever that means for you, you can send me something that you want me to share Mm -hmm. because, I want people to still feel connected and still feel a part of things, even if the typical ways that we expect them to connect aren't ones that are going to be best for them. And I think that's something that I would really um, encourage is like, you know, people that are in like creating spaces for connection, create different avenues Mm. for connection. Because I think there is this expectation of, oh, we have to connect in this way, in this timing, and it has to look like this. And I think that that's something that um, really puts some people at a disadvantage is that we're not going, like not everyone connects the same way. Mm. And I think that that is something that we need to be really honest about because um, I kind of like what Sharon was saying, you know, I'm an introvert. And so unlike Lisa, like, (laughs) you know, I don't just like show up and feel ready to connect with everyone all the time. And I think that um, I used to really internalize that and be like, okay, what's wrong with me? Mm. What is wrong with me that I can be in these spaces? I can be checking the boxes that I'm supposed to check and I still don't feel connection. And it took me a long time to be like, you know, what's wrong with those spaces? <laughs> Maybe it's not me. I'm a delightful human. <laughs> yeah, same. I feel like I am just really fun to be around. Usually yeah. a, very, a big ray of sunshine. Um, for those of you that know me, and you're, if you're listening to this, it's true. Um, but but you, I think you hit on something super important is that, you know, when we talk about the social media aspect, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about all because we're on social media Mm -hmm. and whether we intentionally look at some of the stuff that's out there in terms of the perfection of parenting um, and the perfection of going to the pumpkin patch and having Mm -hmm. the perfect photo Mm -hmm. um, that that is uh, that's a multi-take effort Mm -hmm. and and 
I think we still passively, even though cognitively we know, like everybody's life can be a little messy, but when all we see are the cleaned up pictures, mm -hmm. I think we internalize that feeling of pressure. I mean, same when it came to, I mean, my daughter's 24 now, so we're far away from that, but I distinctly remember single mom couldn't, didn't want to, didn't have the bandwidth for mm -hmm. parent groups, didn't have mm -hmm. the bandwidth for that. Um, I was blessed with a kid who, you know, who was super shy and very much an individual and also wasn't interested in, in those particular types of mm -hmm. things. But I low key kind of felt like, am I dropping the ball? Mm -hmm. Am I not a good enough parent? Cause when I looked around at some of the other moms, it's like, you know, they're doing all the things. And I'm like, I'm just trying to, I'm just enjoying my kid. We're doing yeah. our thing, but am I, am I missing something because I am not participating in any and all group activities? Um, so it, it gets into this, um, the, the ups and downs, the good and the evil of things like social media in terms of the spaces. What spaces do I want to spend my energy on? Mm -hmm. and, and how do I not self-perpetuate and beat myself up internally if those aren't my spaces, right? Mm -hmm. And what does meaningful connection look like for, for me and my family? Mm -hmm. Right. How oh, do you not, sure. not focus on connection like how other people see it? Mm -hmm. But right. how is connection valuable to me? And I even wonder if we can zoom out a little bit and and remember connection is not just going to a PTO meeting or, mm -hmm. you know, getting my kid involved in these groups, but connection is sitting on the bed and reading a book together yes. at mm -hmm. night. And connection is when they get off the bus at the end of the day saying, you were really looking forward to art class today. How'd it go? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and sometimes those things can be so life-giving you know, especially mm -hmm. if we don't feel seen in other ways, mm -hmm. but that if we're not working within our capacity, then maybe it's working against us. And to give ourselves mm -hmm. that forgiveness and that grace to be able to decide what kind of con connection do I need? What kind, mm -hmm. of, kind of connection do my kids need? And how do I find those moments? And yeah. what I find interesting about this conversation is that, um, you know, I think we're all internally feeling similarly about as, as being parents we've had these moments i mean even though i'm extroverted i'm here to share like mm -hmm. extroverts still feel performative mm -hmm. uh at times or at least i do i can't mm -hmm. speak for all extroverts but um there is that anticipatory what are people going to expect from me mm -hmm. in these interactions and i, I feel like there's an, enough memes in social media that mm -hmm. showcase that we all, to some degree, have those moments of, oh gosh, like I'm gonna have to go and do this, or I'm gonna have to make this grand mm -hmm. gesture in order for it to count. And mm -hmm. and Jamie, what I love about what you're saying is it's really, and insurance said this earlier too, but it's worth repeating those small things mm -hmm. that it doesn't take a lot. I mean, I have a teenager now and, and a soon to be teen who Wants Thought, to be thoughts a teen are with you, Lisa. already. Our yes. Thoughts are with you. <laughs> yes, thoughts and prayers. Thank you. And and um, they don't always want to interact, and mm -hmm. they don't always want to like mm -hmm. tell me, you know, how they're feeling. And um, so sometimes connections in those moments look like I, they're allowing me to sit next to them, shoulder to shoulder. And right. I and and so me just physically being present. I am not. I'm not giving them a life lesson. Mm -hmm. I am not embarking my wisdom because I have lots of it to share. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily that. It is in that moment. I am just sitting next to them, and they know that I'm sitting next to them, and 
they're not pushing me away. Yeah. Well, so it's that attunement, right, yeah. Lisa? It's like just attuning. Right. And again, separating that out, taking that pause sometimes as parents, because there were many times it was like I I was doing stuff because I'm like, I need to be doing this. I need to be mm-hmm. doing this. And especially the social worker, mm-hmm. right? As, mm-hmm. as mental health professionals, we have right. all of this book knowledge that we know. And we're like, okay, so we need to show up like this and this and this. It needs to be, you know, all these, this myriad of things. But I mean, as a parent of a kid who was pretty quiet and low key, sometimes what she really needed was just quiet, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Being together, obviously, you know, like you were saying, it it doesn't have to be big grand things. And also separating out what, what am, what are my expectations? What do Mm -hmm. I think my expectations are as a parent? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of pulling all that stuff together and realizing that it's, um, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just this like, oh, we're just going to be connected and we're going to do the things. We're going to go to the places and we're going to do the activities and we're going to have all this stuff. But it's complicated. Yeah. So as an occupational therapist, um, when I'm thinking about this, it's kind of interesting because social participation is actually an occupation that we deal with because occupations are just any activity that's meaningful to us. Right. And um, it's interesting because I think that so often caregivers will come to us in occupational therapy and they'll have concerns about social participation for the child. Mm -hmm. And they'll either say that the child's having social participation difficulties within the family. So, you know, the child doesn't want to participate in the family game night or they don't want to, you know, engage socially with the caregivers or whatever it is. Or they have concerns about the child participating in, in with their classmates at school or socialization at school. And, um, like all occupations that occupational therapists deal with, the thing that we always have to kind of bring back in is, okay, but is it meaningful to the child? Is it meaningful to the youth or the the person that we're talking with, right? And so um, I think that a lot of times media sets us up to assume that connection is a specific thing or, um, you know, that... Um, you know, even our professional training sets us up to say, oh, social connection is this one specific thing. And one of the main things that I find myself really talking about with my team during supervision or as they're working with clients on social participation things is, okay, but does the child mind that they only have two like good friends Mm -hmm. does the child like how is that enough for the child and if it is then why are we messing with this Mm -hmm. you know or um is the fact that the child um only does this one activity with friends well do they want to do other activities or are they are they cool right and i think that um a lot of times caregivers um and as an adoptive parent i will take this one too like you know, I think a lot of times adoptive caregivers especially um, expect children to connect in the way that the the, the grown-ups connect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we expect grown-up connections. Um, one of the things that I've been blessed with as a um, adoptive parent is there is a little bit of like that thrown out the window. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't assume my kids do not have the same genetics as me. I They are beautiful children that I had nothing to do with creating originally, right? Um, And so I don't have this assumption of, you know, my children will have the same response as I do. Mm -hmm. And so I will say there is a little bit of freedom in that because I 
let my kids dictate how we're going to connect. And I think that um, that's been a blessing. I've always been somebody who had like a core group of really close friends and then friendliness with like a lot of other people, you know. Um, and uh, I, my wife and I joke all the time. Well, okay, we used to joke and now it's our reality. But we used <laughs> to joke all the time like, okay, what happens if we have a popular kid? Like we're not going to know what to do. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're the people that play Dungeons and Dragons right. and, you know, and we, uh, we, we can connect via, you know, um, you know, multi-massive online play, you know, of like video games. Um, Okay, so what happens if we have a popular kid and like, lo and behold, my middle child (laughs) is this really cool kid. The popular kid. The popular kid. (laughs) And they literally came to me the other day and they were like, two of my friends are fighting over who I'm going to be best friends with. And it's so hard. And I was just like, (laughs) Really? (laughs) But it's really important. Like to them, that really is how they connect. And they connect with a lot of people and it's very meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they feel really insecure when those connections aren't there. And so um, we have really had to let our kids take the lead in how we connect. That kid always connects through um, like physical things like riding bikes together or going on walks together. Another kid that we have... um, you know, she always connects through, um, she's, she's more like us. She connects through video games. She connects through that, you know, and, um, and my youngest child actually connects through, um, art. Like he will draw how he's feeling about Mm. us. Um, and that's been something tricky to learn as well is, um, you know, that when he brings us a piece of paper with his art on it, it is not just a, Oh, that's great kid. You know, that is a moment that I have to like really sit and be like, Oh, Tell me about what came, like what came from this, because a lot of times that's him expressing that connection to us. Of I want to show you what's happening inside my head or my body or you know whatever it is, and so yeah, that's required you to be flexible as a parent. Oh yeah, for sure. And I I, I feel that because my son connects differently than I mm-hmm. anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want I want to snuggle and I want to talk about his feelings. Yeah. And if he could tell me his day from the very beginning, from mm-hmm. when he got on the bus till when he gets home. You know, that would be really great for me. And then he gets home and we sit down and I say, how'd it go today? Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, what was something that happened today? I don't know. What did you do? Stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what to do now because as yeah. a therapist, I'm trained to lean in and mm-hmm. ask questions mm-hmm. and see, you know, yeah. what your responses are. And we can explore that. And he he gives me none of that. Yeah. So as a parent, it's been so challenging to adapt to that and I am not 100% by any means. I continue to do those things every day as yeah. if he's going to be different today. That's so funny because I'm the opposite, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am, I love my kids and I will take kid cuddles all the time, you know. But um, I reach a certain point. I'm kind of like a cat. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want the cuddles when I want the cuddles. And when I don't want the cuddles, like, we're done. <laughs> I'm going to bite your hand, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't really. Um, but, but, you know, my kids are that way. They're, my kids are very like, oh, I want to hug you mm-hmm. and hug on you. And sometimes I have to, they'll be like, mommy, can we snuggle? And I'm like, can you find your other mom for that (laughs) like like, I'm I'm not in the mood you know and so um and so it's kind of funny but I think you know 
a lot of times we feel like as the parents or as the adults, we have to take the lead and like Mm -hmm. we have to set the tone for the connection, um, not just with our kids, but like for our kids with the world, Mm -hmm. right? And it is very much a, oh, I have to trust my child and their individuality to let them take the lead, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so empowering. Um, And it's really important that we kind of break down that barrier of, oh, the adult has to initiate the connection or inform how we connect. Um, And it's something that as I've gotten older, I've actually learned with my adult relatives Mm. of like, you know what, I don't actually connect the way you connect. And, um, you know, started putting up a few boundaries of like, this is, you know, that's, that's not how I want to connect. Do you want to try how I connect? And it's been interesting for me as an adult to see the people that were adults in my life, my mm-hmm. my family members who were adult, um, really struggle with that of, oh, this is how Ashley connects. Let's try this. Um, and instead, it's it's still that hierarchy yeah. of, um, no, I'm the parent or I'm the, you know, whoever it is. And um, I don't want to, you know, it's interesting. And that's you as an adult having yes. a voice to be yes. able to say, this is how I want to connect. Yeah. And how, you know, what do I do with my son now? who is somebody Mm -hmm. who connects differently than I do. Mm -hmm. And here I come every day. How was your day? What did you do? What was your favorite part? And, you know, but I think as adults, we have to be open. And I really like Mm -hmm. that you said, um, trust enough in our kids to Mm -hmm. know that they will set the stage for how they want to connect and Mm -hmm. and how that can look different. And because developmentally too, Lisa, right? Mm -hmm. It looks differently now that your kids are teenagers as opposed Mm -hmm. to when they were younger. Right. And I think the other aspect that you're highlighting, Jamie, that is is kind of like a a little taboo is um, acknowledging that caregivers have relational needs Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. our engagement with children Mm -hmm. is also meeting a need. So, Mm -hmm. Ashley, when you're saying, like, I really am not feeling like cuddling right now, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a difference in need there. Mm -hmm. And and often I think caregivers feel more stress because Mm -hmm. they feel like they have to put their needs aside. Mm -hmm. So if I don't Mm -hmm. want to cuddle, but oh my gosh, I'm going to be not a stellar parent Mm -hmm. if I don't do cuddles, but what's Mm -hmm. it like when I put my need on a shelf and Mm-hmm. and just go through with that is that just going mm-hmm. through the motions or does that have yeah. does that resonate in a different way from for the child mm-hmm. um so i think it's also that when you're saying about you know the different styles like the way that i ask questions to my children is meeting a need for me i want to know how they're feeling i want to make sure mm-hmm. that they're okay mm-hmm. i want to make sure that nobody bullied them during the day so there's that like mm-hmm. i need reassurance that they're doing okay and Mm -hmm. and being able to get that need met and when i can't get that need met it can cause a little difference in the connection that we have yeah and we will dig a little deeper into that into some in episode three when we really start talking about that caregiver piece right Mm -hmm. that reciprocity piece Mm -hmm. you know what's the line right and when there is that disconnect but kudos to jamie because hope springs eternal you, know, you just keep asking. Keep asking James. Eventually, he'll start answering your questions with something. Well, my eventually, he's going to start to push me away. And it really forces me as a, as a parent to acknowledge the anxiety yes. and also say, okay, how and reflect, mm-hmm. how does right. he yeah. connect? How can I make adjustments? And I think that's part of the way that we go about the world. Yeah. And we forget that we can do that in the house as well. Yeah. You right. Know? So 
you know, as we're kind of coming to the end of this episode one, you know, we have, I think, kind of leveled the platform here in terms of connectedness. It is complex. Mm -hmm. It is multidimensional. And even though we have an abundance of opportunities for connection, um, having an intentionality around it becomes super important. Mm -hmm. You know, more access isn't necessarily quality access. There are certainly um, privileges associated with being able to have this kind of literal global 24-7, 365 connection. Um, but it's hard to give sometimes what we don't have or mm -hmm. when there is a misattunement mm -hmm. um, or when we feel like there are just boxes we need to check as parents and caregivers. And the, that simultaneous pressure and impact of the overwhelm of parenting when you just you don't have a lot to give. Um, so in, in kind of summary or wrap up, um, you know, what do we want parents and caregivers who are listening to this to take away from, from our conversation? You know, I think we've touched on a lot of things. This mm -hmm. is kind of a tip of the iceberg when it comes to a conversation of connectedness. I know for me, um, and I, I think it's even evolved since we've been talking, but just that thoughtfulness around the external pressures of parenting that we have, especially when we are faced with challenging times with our kids. Mm -hmm. We've all had them with our kids to a matter of degrees. Um, and that self-compassion piece, right? And mm -hmm. rethinking, you know, what is my space in the connection mm -hmm. and being a little more forgiving of, of yourself, giving yourself mm -hmm. some grace. Yeah. I would say one of the things that's really resonating with me from our conversation is, you know, that there are just so many different modes of connection. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And how can we create spaces where people with different modes can come in and feel connection, yep. connecting? Um, and, you know, I think that that's probably my biggest takeaway is, you know, over the next week or something, how can we think about connecting in a different way? Can we try out a different mode of connection um, out there? Or if you are somebody who is creating a space, if you're, you know, um, you know, offering a connection space for people, how can you create different modes within that? Can you allow people to connect in different ways around you or to you? You know, right. I think that would be my takeaway. Awesome. That's really interesting to think about because I feel like I'm on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And I want to think about how how can I reflect upon the ways that people connect mm -hmm. in order to facilitate that? Yeah. So, you know, can I notice how my coworkers are connecting mm -hmm. and, and or filling their own cup? Yeah. So sometimes that might look like I'm going to go in my office and I'm going to close my door for a little bit mm -hmm. because I need to re-energize mm -hmm. a little bit. Yep. And I think uh, uh, it's a little cliche, well, it's a lot of cliche, I guess, to <laughs> the, that phrase of you're not alone. But in this mm -hmm. conversation, you know, even with our different personality styles and our kids being different ages and at different mm -hmm. stages, that we're all saying in different iterations that we've had these experiences of feeling disconnected for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, I would just wonder, I think the hold on for me is wondering what it would be like if I see people around me as mm -hmm. having similar experiences mm -hmm. and if I can connect through that um, mm -hmm. just recognizing oh gosh they're probably like coming to the school function with low energy and capacity mm -hmm. also and yeah. so right. what's one thing I can do to like connect with them knowing that we're probably like low battery you know mm -hmm. all around yeah and I, I think too just 
that idea that you're speaking to of, you know, connection isn't this like ambiguous, innate thing that we can't, um, can't affect. You know, I think that there are um, specific things that we can offer to help with connection. And if we're feeling disconnected, that's not necessarily like, that's not us. Like we're not unconnectable, (laughs) you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's not like a, oh, Lisa is, you know, really likable and I'm not. That's why she feels connected and I don't feel connected or she seems connected is probably the Mm -hmm. better way to say it. You know, it's very much this, um, you know, maybe your mode of connection isn't right for the space or, you know, and so like maybe we need to be thinking more about broadly about, okay, so if I'm feeling disconnected, what are the options I have? It's not this connected or disconnected and forever yeah (laughs) you know I'm not I'm not a failure as a parent in this moment because there's a a misconnect disconnect a misattunement whatever Mm -hmm. you call it it is it is one piece of a really big puzzle um, that you're trying to put together Uh, so one of the things I would challenge the listeners to think about you know um, is you know as as caregivers as parents um, what do you need more of? What do you feel like when we're talking about this and you're thinking about this and you, we talk about whatever it is, filling your own cup, self-forgiveness, um, self-compassion, but what do you want to reflect on in terms of what do you need more of? Mm-hmm. And what do you need better access to? You know, just thinking mm-hmm. about that and reflecting like if you could create this list and again, it is a quiet reflective thing. Um, it's not, I'm not, we're not asking another list to be developed certainly, but you know, just really reflecting on that, you know, what would be helpful for you to reconnect even with yourself? And we'll get into that in the next podcast too, but that's another important piece. How connected am am I to myself Mm. that I understand, you know, when my body needs rest, when my body needs food, when my body needs connect, you know, Mm -hmm connectedness with another person, a partner, whatever. Um, so be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, we will wrap up episode one here of our podcast. Thank you all so much, my yeah. front, my panel here for <laughs> participating. Yeah. Uh, this was our first go, so we had a lot of nervous things to work out, but hopefully you all enjoy listening to this and we look forward to getting out episode two, which will focus on child well-being and really thinking about that connection from the kids' perspective as well. Thank you all for Thank listening. You. Thank, Thank you, you for participating. Thanks, Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Outfront with Family Forward. For more information and resources to support you and your family, visit familyforwardmo.org.